What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 134. And in this episode, I speak about watching two Broadway plays, Hamilton and To Kill a Mockingbird. I also speak about trying out and riding a Revel electric scooter. So stick around while I take a deep dive into my experience with both of those shows and a dope-ass electric scooter. But before we get into all that jazz, here's a quick way that you can help support the show. For those of you that are new to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can help support. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. Another way you can help support the podcast is by shopping on Amazon. But instead of going to Amazon.com, go to SpunToday.com and click on the affiliate links tab on my website. There you'll see an Amazon banner. Click that and it'll take you to Amazon.com. There you'll do your shopping like you normally do and it will not cost you anything extra. But it will help support the podcast just for driving traffic to their website. All right, so I finally got to see... Hamilton. If you guys listen to this podcast, you know that I'm into Broadway plays, musicals, stuff like that. So just to give you a bit of background of my history with trying to see this play, my brother first put me onto it back in, it was years ago. It was when before, it was definitely before the play blew up. I want to say it's when it was still off Broadway, Uh, but it could have been like just recently on Broadway or something like that. But anyway, he invited me and, and my wife, we're going to go on like a double date type of thing, but she, my wife didn't want to go, which I'll never let her, uh, live that down (laughs) because it, it turned around to become like one of the biggest plays ever. But so I was like, fuck around with her about that. The, she didn't want to go cause it was like, you know, the way my brother described it was like a play. We didn't know much about it. It was like a play about history. And I don't know. She just wasn't into it. I was down to go just because I like seeing plays in general, whether it's a subject matter that I'm into or not. I wasn't going to go without her. And then the play blew the fuck up. And everyone and anyone has been wanting to go since, including my wife. <laughs> and... um since then remember this is years ago i want to say maybe three four years ago i don't know how long it's been um but it has been several years since then i've been trying to win the hamilton tickets on the lottery because tickets for the shit is insane but uh i've been uh i've been trying to get tickets to this thing for a long time via the broadway lottery which i've mentioned to you folks in the past and actually created a separate like tutorial video which is available on YouTube and I'll link to it in the episode notes to show you guys how to, how the Broadway lottery works and, and how to apply for, for these things. So check that out. If you haven't already, I'll link to it again in the episode notes for this episode. So you guys can check it out. I've seen at least, I want to say like half a dozen plays, uh, through this lottery alone. And they're, you know, tickets that cost several hundred dollars that, you get via the lottery for 30, 40 bucks. So it's definitely a dope way to 
to score really good tickets to to a great show and a dope experience. But anyway, since then, and this was again three or four years ago, I've been almost on a daily basis every single day that I remember. If you know, out of three hundred sixty-five days out of the year, maybe I'll remember three hundred of those days or two fifty of those day, of those days. I'll apply for this damn lottery. Day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. And I still haven't won it. But my brother was also applying for the lottery and he won it. Thankfully, he invited me. Shout out to David. We had an awesome experience. What we wound up doing actually is um, buying one extra ticket and splitting it between uh, uh, three people. Because his best friend, shout out to Omar, uh, went with us and, you know, we made a night out of it. And the play was off the hook. It lives up to all the hype. Before this, my favorite play of all time was Wicked, which I still think is amazing. But Hamilton trumped it. And I highly recommend you folks checking it out if you if you can and have the opportunity to do so. So before I jump into my take on the play... Let me give you a little bit of background on Mr. Alexander Hamilton, per Wikipedia. So, he was an American statesman, a politician, a legal scholar, a military commander, a lawyer, banker, and economist. And he was one of the founding fathers of the United States, and he established and became the first United States Secretary of the Treasury. He also, by the way, founded the nation's financial system the federalist party the united states coast guard and the new york post newspaper this guy was really prolific and what's even more amazing to me is considering his like complete arc you know getting to accomplish all these things that, that i just listed and coming from where he came from he was born in 1755 or 1757, there's conflicting accounts in the Caribbean in one of the British islands called Nevis. Oh, he was also a congressman from New York and also the founder of the Bank of New York. He was born out of wedlock uh, to his mother who had uh, him and his brother, Rachel Fawcett, her name was. And his father was James A. Hamilton. And she was married to someone else, as was he. So it's already kind of like a fucked up situation to be born into. So James Hamilton, uh, Alexander Hamilton's father, wound up leaving them after finding out that her real husband intended to divorce her based on adultery. Long story short, she winds up leaving with the kids, Hamilton and his brother, to St. Croix. Then she wound up uh, getting yellow fever and died in 1768. Hamilton at this time was like 13 or 15 years old. If I'm calculating that right. One of their cousins uh, took them in uh, for about a year or so. Um, And then he wound up committing suicide. Then after that point, uh, him and, and his brother were separated And Alexander Hamilton got a job. He got a clerkship with a local import-export firm that traded with New York and New England. 
And he wound up living there as well at his place of work. And he wound up doing very well there as a trader. He was even like left in charge of of the place for like five months at a time while the owner was at sea. And he was always reading and teaching himself stuff and writing. And he always wanted more. He he was like a, a very ambitious person, clearly by his resume that I read off to you guys earlier. And he wound up writing a letter to his father, who's still alive, about a hurricane that hit and devastated the area where where he lived. And that letter was so detailed and well-written that it caught the eye of someone named uh, Hugh Knox, which was a minister and a journalist. I guess the father like gave the letter to, to that guy to read or something. And uh, the letter wound up getting published in the Royal Danish American Gazette. Then that letter, that story of that hurricane, uh, impressed community leaders who wound up collecting a fund to send Alexander Hamilton to the then North American 13 colonies. Well, actually, let me just say colonies because I don't know if it was like 13 at that point. And then from there on out, it was uh, off to the races. So this dude went from that to all the other stuff that, that I mentioned to becoming a founding father of the United States. And what's even more impressive, just establishing the financial system that's still in place today and was really like the architect of like so many pillars of our society as we know it now. As far as a strong central banking system, a powerful military, that's what like super impressed me. Like he was so ill with his pen that he went from being an orphan teen in the Caribbean to becoming a founding father and main author of the economic policies of President George Washington. He wrote 51 of the 85 installments of the Federalist Papers, which were like the precursor to the Constitution and still used as a reference today to help interpret a uh, Constitution. It's like scary how like forward-thinking this guy was. But that's just a little background on him. So back to the play, back to the musical. He was eventually shot by Aaron Burr, which I think a lot of people know. It's a, like a popularized fact about his death. Even in, um, you know what always reminds me of that? Or was the movie uh, Big Daddy? When the little kid has a play in school and he plays Alexander Hamilton. And he's like on stage and he says, Aaron Burr shot me or something like that. So I always remember that. But um, yeah, the play is told, it's narrated, and it's presented through the perspective of Aaron Burr, which is really interesting. Because he's like, technically like the villain, right, in this story. He killed such an impactful, influential person. But you kind of feel for him throughout as well, because it's, you know told from his point of view so there's like inherent bias there but it kind of humanizes him a bit you know so the whole thing is the whole play is it's a musical it's a hip-hop musical which means that all the music in it is hip-hop based 
And I just want to say that the hip hop was super dope. Fuck what you heard. Because I heard, I heard a lot of like poo-pooing of it. You know, a lot of like BSing. I have no idea why I just used the words poo-pooed and BSing. <laughs> um, I heard hate towards, you know, it's not real hip hop or this, that, and the third. You know, it's like watered down for white people, hip hop or some shit like that. And to that, I want to say that it's written by a, a playwright. Shout out to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, by the way, was inspired to write this after like randomly picking up a copy of Alexander Hamilton's autobiography at an airport as a vacation read. And who also wrote um, In the Heights, by the way. But it's not written by... It's not written by Eminem or Jay-Z or Jadakiss or Nas or any of these folks. It's written by a playwright. And to be able to write any type of song or poem while keeping within the context of a true story, just one song, one poem, one one bar, to me, is fucking genius. Let alone writing a full-blown musical within those confines on a creative level that's so insane to me that anyone that hates on the play for like not being quote real hip-hop is not f- taking that into account or they're just fucking hating and like that ability to do that to write within the context and the confines of something else like of another scaffolding if you will is why I thought that Jay-Z's uh, American Gangster album was so dope. Because he wrote those those songs and that album through, at least my interpretation of it, through the eyes and perspective of Frank Lucas, while also like mirroring and bouncing off of his life experiences. And something that I really, really appreciated was that even though the whole thing was hip-hop, it wasn't like... Every single segment was like a 16-bar hook, 16-bar hook, you know, rap song formula. I don't even know if that's the formula, like 16 bars, or I don't know where I got that number from, but I think it is. I don't know. But you know what I mean, right? Like verse, hook, verse, hook, verse. There were scenes within the play in the convention of 1786, which is what spurred Congress, according to Wikipedia, to call the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. Actually, I think the scenes were the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, where the Constitution was ratified. And there was like a, like a lot of debating and going back and forth. And those scenes, instead of being written in the rap song format, it was... Uh, they were written out in battle rap because, you know, it's debating, like going back and forth. And it was a battle rap structure to those scenes, which being a battle rap fan, I really appreciated. And, you know, they weren't like Low Deluxe, Hollow the Don, Iron Solomon type bars or anything like that. But it was still really good. And again, the precision that it takes 
to pull something like that off is just fucking incredible to me. So anyway, back to the play. The after arriving, Hamilton was in relation to Burr. I think Burr was like a a teacher or or professor of his, I want to say, or maybe just like a like big man on campus type of figure over at uh, King's College, which was later re- renamed to Columbia. But he was very much so like an established student and person and, and, you know, like member of the community or whatever. The roles were, at least in my interpretation, very much so like Hamilton looked up to him and wanted to like learn from him. But he also had this like burning ambition that just like overshine over exceeded everybody. Like he was like ambitious to a fault. And Hamilton was a the way they depicted him a kind of like a playboy and like an attractive guy that got girls and he was very outspoken he was a great writer his pen game was on point and the way i saw their relationship shifting from like mentor to mentee being like aaron burr being like the mentor and hamilton being the mentee to them you know being like equals and then Hamilton rising above uh Burr at least like social status and you know in later years actual like government title statuses and then that would flip when Aaron Burr became vice president but uh, I'll get to that in a bit it came off to me as kind of like uh I don't know if you guys are Fresh Prince fans I am and it was kind of like when Will first goes to Beller Academy and Carlton is like the cool kid in school, big man on campus type of thing. We're in a school full of like rich kids, snobs and nerds. They all kind of like looked up to him. And then Will came and all Carlton's friends and everybody else in the school immediately looked at Will as like the cool kid in class and the charming guy and that's how I feel Alexander Hamilton impacted Aaron Burr's like social circles based on how it was depicted in the play. Like if that's, if that's factual or true events or based on true accounts and writings and stuff like that, I don't know, but that was just my interpretation of that element of the play and where I feel like the seeds of resentment began from the side of Burr. Another takeaway I have from the play is that for all his ambition and drive, he was so driven to a fault that his family, I believe, like including his wife and his sons and his kids, rather, yeah, like eight kids, um, were all secondary. Like they all came second. It was like his ambition and goals for the country, like above all else. And to me, that showed in how there was a scene where his oldest son, Philip, had some sort of beef with some somebody that was criticizing him, his father, in school or something like that. And they challenged him to a duel. And instead of like talking his son out of it and, you know, saying, you know, don't listen to that nonsense or it's not like your fight to fight or and where my mind would like logically go 
he instead kind of like passively gave his son advice of how to go to the duel because you have to it's your duty now that you accept it or whatever um but not had to have to actually go through with it there's a tactic to like aim your gun upwards and that's you pretty much saying that you showed up for the duel you stand by you know your position in the argument but you don't want to kill the dude and his son took that advice went and he did as his father told him but wound up getting shot and killed anyway and mind you at this point his relationship his 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 marriage is in shambles he and his wife are separated based on like him cheating on his wife with someone else but this event this occurrence of his son uh dying was like such a deeply hurtful occurrence that i guess only he and his wife could like truly appreciate and it was so such a confounding experience that it wound up like bringing them back together then after all this he he kind of turns over a new leaf in terms of like trying to refocus on family a bit um he's still like writing a lot and practicing law and aaron burr was actually running for governor of new york and it was thought that you know within the political circles that an endorsement from hamilton who you know still had a name would like surely clinch it for him but hamilton instead wound up endorsing the other guy morgan lewis who wound up winning based on hamilton's clout and burr was you know always like kind of sort of like had a relationship with hamilton and even though it was there was kind of like that resentment that was built up from again what i think was like those initial social circle related uh incidents that then wound up escalating to things like this and other occurrences like for example hamilton was so influential that he opposed john adams uh, re-election campaign and that wound up making it so that thomas jefferson and aaron burr wound up tying for the presidency in electoral college votes and hamilton again with the ability to like tip the scales one way or the other helped defeat burr and to elect uh thomas jefferson even though they had like uh philosophical differences so it was kind of like hamilton kind of like had something against burr like it seemed it was like in the situation like that it's like you feel it you know we're tied so in terms of like politically and fairness and stuff like that you know it's like we're like right there so morally there's no issue with you favoring me philosophically you you know agree with me we've been you know friends or friendly at least for years and we're on the same side of, of a lot of issues but hamilton was known to like completely disagree philosophically with thomas jefferson but for some reason, he still supported Thomas Jefferson. So Burr becomes the vice president. And then eventually, you know, after that, winds up running for governor. And Hamilton, again, endorsed the other guy and outwardly campaigned against Burr. And wrote him as being unworthy to become governor. So Burr, you know, got, was fed up. It's pretty much like, yo, what the fuck? This dude has it in for me and you know i'm sick of this shit already 
And he, Aaron Burr, challenges Alexander Hamilton to a duel. Which, long story short, Alexander Hamilton reluctantly agrees to it. And winds up having the duel in Weehawken, New Jersey, which is the same place where his son died three years earlier. His plan, similar to what he advised his son to do, was to aim the gun upwards and shoot up in the air, which is called throwing away your fire in dual talk. <laughs> and which I thought was interesting that and I'm not sure if it was purposeful, but it seems that way, that Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of sort of like bookended his arc with starting out the play with the song, which is like a famous song, you guys can Google it, of not um, called, uh, I'm not throwing away my shot, within the context of, you know, an immigrant who gets the money from these folks in the community that believe in him and sending him off. To, to the states and you know he's going to be somebody he's not going to throw away his shot to like end it with his life ending eventually from you know throwing away his fire aka throwing away his shot in the duel with Aaron Burr which I thought that's interesting so anyway he does that and Aaron Burr winds up shooting him anyway and shoots him in the stomach in the lower right abdomen if I'm not mistaken, there were two witnesses there. One of them said that Aaron Burr shot first. The other one said that Hamilton shot first. I think the consensus is that Burr shot first and Hamilton wound up shooting while he was like falling down and his gun was aimed upwards and it hit the tree, one of the like tree branches above Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton wound up dying the next day. On July 12th, 1804. Now, two more takeaways uh, from the play before I, I round it off is that his wife, Eliza, then wound up like going around and over the years after her husband's death to his friends and associates and troops they fought with and gathered like stories and accounts of Alexander Hamilton and like spent her days like spreading his word and his legacy and stuff which was you know the pretty like stand-up thing for her to do especially after you know him being unfaithful to her and her not owing him anything but she knew and knew deeply how important like legacy was to him and she wanted to carry that out for him and she also established they said in the play the very first orphanage public orphanage or i don't know if it's like orphanage period um she established the very first orphanage in new york city which is like a testament to you know him being an orphan at a young age and i thought that was pretty dope lastly he alexander hamilton is buried in the trinity church cemetery which is in the city on wall street and literally two blocks away from where i work and I've gone, I want to say three times, but definitely two times. Then I remember like during like a lunch break, I've gone a couple times and I walked around. It's like a very small cemetery in like the middle of the city, right by the Freedom Tower. 
that you guys can see and you know people walk around there there's a couple benches in there people have lunch there sometimes too um i walked around looking at all like these old ass tombstones from like 1700s 1800s i went twice maybe three times but twice that i can definitely remember and i cannot find his fucking tombstone and it's a small cemetery it's like smaller than four square blocks and i even like googled like pictures of of like his tombstone and it's not like a little thing it's like a big structure of a tombstone you know what i mean (laughs) so it's definitely not hard to miss but i missed it twice i'm gonna give it at least one more try to check it out and uh pay my respects to that prolific dude and i don't know just to see the uh, final resting place of someone who was arguably the most influential person in american history oh and before i forget there's always there's a probably like three or four occurrences of him but there's these scenes with uh king george i think it was whose reign the uh colonies were under that uh the way uh manuel miranda wrote him provided some like dope like comedic relief for the for the story they wrote him like a like a kind of like a jealous ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend that's kind of like oh you want to be independent now oh you think you you can go make it on your own and blah 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 he was like very like snobby and you know you'll you'll come crawling back to me type of demeanor and it's like a, a character that you forget about because you get like so enthralled like within the play and he's kind of like in my opinion kind of like refreshing your mental palate with a bit of comedic relief you know through all the drama of of the actual play so you kind of forget about him but every time that i do remember him puts a smile on my face because he was it was funny anyway folks i digress hamilton was dope the rapping the hip-hop was off the hook fuck what you heard and hats off to Lin Manuel Miranda. Definitely check it out. Check it out when and if you can, if and when you can. And again, check out the link in the episode notes for how to score discounted Broadway tickets to this play and others. Actually, to others. This play in particular, Hamilton, you have to now download the Hamilton app. You can apply daily through the app for the lottery which by the way is free to apply you only pay if you win the tickets and if you choose to purchase the tickets next up is to kill a mockingbird which the play is based on a novel written by harper lee which was published in 1960 It became a classic of modern American literature and won the Pulitzer Prize. This was one of those books that was assigned reading back in school, back in, I want to say junior high. I think high school, but for some reason I remember it from junior high. And although it was assigned reading, I sadly did not read it. I always made it through most of school, high school in particular, by doing good on tests or most tests not all like without studying or studying very little 
not doing much homework and definitely not doing like assigned readings and when it came to like writing papers and stuff like that i would you know get cliff notes and shit like that which i definitely regret because i missed out on amazing books like like this one but in retrospect i also i don't think i would have appreciated it as much as i appreciated the play now as an adult with some life experience under my belt and i definitely do need to check out the actual book and read it now what i did remember from from the book and you know reading it in class and stuff like that or people reading it in class is they said the word nigger a lot and i wasn't sure if how that would be addressed in the play i honestly didn't think it was going to be said but i was curious to see like how they would like skirt around it or maybe just say the n-word or make up another word and imply that it meant like the n-word but they just went balls to the wall true to the novel and said the word nigger a lot (laughs) like an uncomfortable amount like a quentin tarantino amount now let me let me stop it wasn't that much but it definitely helped in setting the stage and bringing you into the story that takes place in the deep south during the great depression now, I always remember the name Boo Radley, which is a character from, from the story. And for some reason, I thought that the novel was written from the perspective of Boo Radley. But after looking it up, it wasn't. It was told from the perspective of Jean Louise Finch, which was a six-year-old girl in the story and neighbor of Boo Radley. So the story's about racial injustice it's about uh, the deep south it's about gender roles and class and courage and compassion racism the legal system and the play was adapted and from the novel obviously and written by my favorite dialogue writer aaron sorkin and aaron sorkin has written movies like a few good men moneyball uh the show newsroom which was amazing it's only had a it was a short-lived three seasons and aaron sorkin chose to step away from it at the three season mark because he felt that that's what he set out to write and that's what he wrote even though the show was popular and and i believe hbo offered him you know more seasons more money stuff like that but he was true to his vision for that story uh, the Social Network movie, which the Facebook movie, which, in my opinion, has one of the greatest opening dialogue scenes of any movie. Oh, and going back to Newsroom, it stars uh, Jeff Daniels as a news anchor of a newsroom. And Jeff Daniels plays one of the main protagonists of the story, Atticus Finch, which was so cool to see, like Jeff Daniels, like in person. And... So the story is about this widowed middle-aged lawyer, Atticus Finch, played by Jeff Daniels, who is appointed by the town judge to defend a black man that is on trial. And his name is Tom Robinson, by the way, in the story. And he's played, and I didn't notice this until my brother told me and pointed it out after afterwards, 
and then i was like oh yeah it was that dude um shout out to my brother by the way he hooked me up with these tickets to to kill mockingbird as a birthday gift uh this year and it's definitely much appreciated anyway uh tom robinson which was the guy that's on trial was played by i'm gonna fuck up his name jibenga akinagbi which played chris uh partlow from the wire which was remember the the girl snoop and she was always with this other guy that was him and they were the like right hand man and woman for marlo marlo uh, stanfield i think it was his name which was like the drug dealer that started like taking over everything check out the wire by the way folks if you haven't please do it's one of the greatest TV shows in history. It's definitely like my number one or two. All right. Anyway, so Tom Robinson is on trial for allegedly raping and beating up a white girl. Again, in the Deep South, in the 1930s. And Jeff Daniels is not a racist person. And he reluctantly takes the case based on like his own admitted like experience with this type of you know like he's never done like a murder trial um or he's done two but lost both but he's not like that that's not like his normal practice or something like that um but he's actually depicted in in as doing a great job as legal counsel for tom robinson and even winds up pointing out and highlighting the fact and making it known that the girl was like being sexually abused by her father, which happens to be like a racist, like bigot in, in the town. But the jury, even though they had zero evidence of zero physical evidence, zero witnesses, the jury winds up coming back with a guilty uh, verdict. And then supposedly, while uh, Tom Robinson is being like transported uh, to prison, he winds up attempting an escape and running away, and he winds up getting shot and killed by uh, the cops. And that is, in a nutshell, what happens in, in the play through the climax. And then thereafter, this, like, pedophile child abuser guy drunk who is abusing his own daughter um now has has it out for atticus finch and like his family and he was like kind of like harassing them just for him even taking the case and like outing the guy he winds up attacking atticus finch's kids one day which is uh again like a six or eight year old girl and a bit older son and the son gets like knocked out and the girl she like can't see because she has like um some like school costume or some shit like covering covering her eyes and and doesn't know what happened but it winds up that the attacker the guy the alcoholic pedophile guy winds up dying of a knife in his chest and it comes to light that this next door neighbor kid boo radley which is a bit of a recluse and they explained that he like hurt somebody or something like that with a knife like many years back and his parents like shipped him off to like boarding school 
and then when he came back they just had him like in the house and never let him out type of thing so nobody ever saw him but it was like the talk of the town for those like kids that lived in the neighborhood like they always wanted to see what boo radley looked like and stuff like that um so it comes to light that boo radley wound up like stabbing and killing killing the guy and the like sheriff and and the judge of the town which all like respected the attorney and they weren't like racist guys either they even though atticus finch you know thought that you know they should let the legal system play out and his son would have to testify on what he saw and his involvement and all this stuff like the sheriff and the judge like both agreed that the that the guy the you know scumbag piece of shit guy that everybody knew now you know what he was um quote unquote fell on top of his own knife and died so it was something that was kind of sort of like legally wrong, but morally felt right. You know, like this guy kind of got what he had coming to him type of thing. But the scene is also a testament to how, by the letter of the law, Atticus Finch was as an attorney or kind of like as a person, like his outlook on on things. I took that away from it. And I don't know, again, I didn't read the book, so I don't know how much of it is like word for word in the play but i can say that aaron sorkin is still genius in how the play was put together like i read like the plot uh, afterwards i read like the plot of the novel online and you could tell that it was tastefully done like there weren't like any beats missing uh from it that that i noticed at least you know from reading a a synopsis of the plot online and speaking to uh this guy that was sitting next to us that was telling me uh asking me like if i read the book or if i liked the book better than the play and i told him you know me and my wife neither one of us has, has read it and he was saying that we have we definitely have to read it um but that the play is definitely up there so even he came off as you know it being like very comparable and and similar Again, I love things that are narrated, and it was narrated by Atticus Finch's daughter and son and friend, Dill, that was like a summer friend, like he came from, from out of town or something like every summer and stayed there for the summer, for like two summers in a row, and they became like good friends. So yeah, it was pretty pretty dope play. I definitely recommend you guys checking it out. And last but not least, before I round off this episode, Revel Electric Scooter. What is a Revel Electric Scooter? It is a moped, a scooter, but electric. And it's available similar to like how you can pick up like city bikes. You can pick up a Revel Scooter whenever you see one in the street. And I heard of this before and I like looked it up online because I was like, what? That sounds cool. And I and I've always kind of sort of been into like mopeds since I went to uh, South Beach like many years ago for uh, my best friend's uh, bachelor party uh, like weekend. And we like one of the things that we did was rent mopeds and just like fucked around for a day on them. And I love them. It's like my first time on one or like riding one like I, i've been on them before in like dr but not actually riding them 
or driving them and since then like i loved it it was like like jet skis like i loved that instantly as well like i just enjoyed it you know it was like something fun to do and i went with my wife and son a, a few weeks back to astoria park in queens and just have like a picnic and you know just chill out little family day at the park enjoy the nice weather and first we of course went to silent chris to cop some sandwiches which if you want to do a story park correctly and especially if you're doing like a picnic and if you're not then just pick up some sandwiches anyway and take them home after you go to the park but you first go to silent chris which is very nearby five ten minutes away from the park max and you buy these sandwiches which are like the size of your fucking arm these like hero sandwiches and they're like these really good dope huge new york style sandwiches that you're gonna get for like 10 to 12 bucks and they're not like flimsy sandwiches they're like brolic sandwiches and they're really good high quality and sal and chris look it up like it's it's like always like in the top sandwich spots in new york and definitely like number one in queens like type shit and i've done this uh, a couple times with my wife now this was the first time like with having our son and went to sal and chris got the sandwich went to the park and then while i was looking for parking i saw one of these like revel scooters and i was like oh shit that's that that um thing that i that i saw online once and i kind of sort of looked into and saw how it worked like you pretty much just go to the scooter you know pick it up and ride it and i was like yo i'm at astoria strip you know we're just hanging out we don't have anywhere to be so i told my wife you know i have to eat the sandwiches chill for a while i'm just gonna i'm gonna try the scooter thing that i've been, been wanting to try just haven't been in a position to actually try it and she didn't mind she was cool with it so i looked up like exactly how it worked because i just you know looked it up online before uh to get an idea and um the way it works is you download the the app revel r-e-v-e-l and you sign up right there within the app like you have to upload a picture of your license you have to be 21 or older and uh, your credit card information which is it's like a 19 dollar like activation fee and then uh, that's it. Then whenever you want to ride one of these scooters, you look it up uh, on the app and the app shows you kind of like an Uber. It shows you these little spots, these little green spots, wherever there is a one of these Revel electric scooters available. And there was like three or four of them like around the park. And you select one and then you have it for like 15 minutes or so like from the point of selecting it so you can like get to it and actually activate the ride and then if not like if you, if you don't within those 15 minutes then if somebody else decides to pick it up they can um but then when you get it you have it you get to it and then the app has like a button to like activate and unlock it and there's like helmets in the back you pick pick it up put the helmet on and that's it you're good to go and it's like 25 cents per minute or something like that. I wound up like riding around for like half an hour. 
it's pretty dope because it's a it's a scooter it's a moped it goes like i think it was like 35 40 miles an hour or something like that or maybe more 45 50 miles an hour something like that um but it's electric so it makes like zero sound it's like a fucking tesla type shit so you definitely have to like use the horn and honk and stuff like that because people like crossing the street or walking or whatever they're not going to see you uh they're not going to hear you rather um so you definitely have to make sure that they see you but yeah it was dope it was fun it's cheap you know it's 19 dollars to join and then after that it's like whenever you decide to use one you pay 25 cents for a minute it was like so so fun i don't think they're allowed or they have any in manhattan at the moment uh but they definitely have them throughout like brooklyn and queens so have at it folks check it out revel r-e-v-e-l i'll link to that in the episode notes as well to like their main website so you guys can check it out if you're interested and um i don't know i just wanted to share i had fun uh had fun using it but again i like mopeds and it might not be a thing anyway folks that's it that's all i got that is episode 134 of the sponsor today podcast once again i'm your host tony ortiz and i appreciate you folks for listening Stick around for a bit, listen to some tunes, and then you can hear some ways you can help support the Sponsor Day Podcast. College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazing, astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I gotta holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough, a shiny piece of coal, trying to reach my goal. My power of speech, unimpeachable. Only 19, but my mind is older. These New York City streets get cold. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage I've learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this spark into a flame. But damn, it's getting so let me spell out the name. I am the A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs independently. Meanwhile, Britney keeps shitting on us endlessly. Essentially, they tax us relentlessly. Then King George turns around, runs a spending spree. He ain't never gonna set his descendants free. So there will be a revolution in this century. Enter me. He says in parentheses. Don't be shocked when your history book mentions me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll see my ascendancy. And I am not thrown away, not shot. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer, a podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out. Check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe. Drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one. For any writers or creatives out there, I have a questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out. It's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire. 
And what it is, is five open-ended questions related to your craft. It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, etc., etc., stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsor Day podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to sponsorate.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time uh, PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. Now, the Viral Style Store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no... I'm no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff, <laughs> but I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day, which is a playoff of Snoop, Dre, and Nate Dogg's smoke weed every day. So it's right need every day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis. If you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool. And it's there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works. But I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Sponsored Podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be two dollars a month, basically. And you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis. There are zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle, no bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. 
and also it's not just like a for example uh, a paypal donation which is just that but through patreon it allows the creator in this case being myself to set up a reward system if you will so if you donate a dollar per episode you are considered a tier one supporter if you donate three dollars per episode you are a second tier supporter etc etc and it goes up to four tiers and each tier gets different things like uh, tier one gets a free spun today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast tier three gets uh gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today another great amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it this costs you absolutely nothing whether you listen on itunes on stitcher on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on pocket casts on overcast on player fm on google play on youtube on tumblr or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps, please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, <laughs> it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions. For example, with the Random Rant episodes, you know, I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone, which is also available on YouTube. But you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks. So check that out. You can also support by checking out my book, Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. It's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation. And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, in ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spun Today listener, I can also send you a free copy. Right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.